Welcome to Mind Your Own Retirement, the podcast from Your Life Choices. That's the website and the e-newsletter. And here we have the publisher, Kay Fullock, uh, with us today and me, John Deeks. Hello, Kay. Hello again, John. Have you done your Christmas shopping yet? I tend not to do Christmas shopping anymore. Well, I'm I just, give love. Hang on, just, that's one less I've got to worry about. There we go. Thank you. Just marking no, Kay off the list. People I know say to me, I don't need anything, dear. And they're right. No, none of us need much, really. Oh, I'm copping out this year oh, again. What do you yeah. think I'm getting for the kids? Um, money. Vouchers. No. Well, vouchers, same thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't, yeah. And I, I, look, I've got to say, I like vouchers. Yeah. Do you like vouchers? Uh, it depends which Well, it doesn't matter now John. because you're not getting anything clearly from me. But, <laughs> Louis uh... Vuitton? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but the starting point's quite high there. <laughs> you, yeah, well, as you should. Um, I, I like vouchers uh, and so I'm going to get the kids' vouchers and um, it's just great. And I like getting my vouchers. I love, look, you know, I'll give a plug. I love my Bunnings voucher because the most fun I can have standing up is going into Bunnings on a Monday morning mm-hmm. At 11 o'clock with a fistful of vouchers and it's just me and other retirees. Stock <laughs> who are <is>, working there. <laughs> uh, who are working there, fair comment, uh, with the stock absolutely full and there's no one else around. It is Nirvana. No sausages. No sausages, but that's no. okay. But it's, it's just to walk in with a fistful of vouchers on a wow. Monday morning to Bunnings is like heaven on a stick. We all get our thrills in different ways, John. <laughs> yes, we do. Yours is going to look for Louis Vuitton bags. Well, no. Now, you know, we've got a lovely man who we've spoken to quite a few times, and he's just absolute divine Hank from Centrelink. He's not just Hank from Centrelink. He's, he's head honcho. He's the big kahuna. So we've got, we've got him coming up. He's on the line. We'll get to him in just a moment. But we're going to talk about uh, digital health. Yes. Uh, the My Health record was quite controversial a year or so ago when we had to sign in or yeah. not sign in. So we're very thrilled to have Professor Meredith Makem uh, coming on to the show and explaining how it works and, and actually some of the benefits of being signed up. Yeah, great idea, great idea. And uh, also then we're going to um, go travelling and uh, if we're going to more dodgy spots on the planet and uh, there seems to be more and more. Yes, the exciting thing is uh, the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade uh, have a consular state of play report every year. Mm-hmm. And Leon has uh, had a good look at this and talks to us about the fact that Aussies seem to like to go to risky destinations. Really? Yes. Wow. Aren't we silly? Uh, well, um, <laughs> that's interesting. And look, mm. in this day and age, there are certainly some very dodgy places. But in fact, you know, it can be, as I'm sure you have as well, uh, been in places like Paris or whatever. I mean, I was there when the Charlie Hebdo uh, shootings occurred. Ooh. I mean, it was like right, you know, in the next street away. Oh. Uh, and uh, so there are, yeah. there, it can be anywhere, but certainly there are some very good advice from DFAT. And yes. And we'll get on to that. In fact, there's DFAT right now. So I think gonna... I'll take that call. All right. And <laughs> I, I, you know who it is? Oh, it's Hank from Centrelink. Hank, good good day to you and welcome to Mind Your Own Retirement. Thank you. Pleasure to be here again. Hank Jongen is the, the human face of Centrelink. You hear him on the radio. You see him on the telly. He's, he's everywhere. He's only responsible for about $100 billion in funds and 4,000 staff and 99% of the population. It's a very easy job, Hank, really, isn't it? 
Yeah, it's a real doddle. <laughs> I've got to say, it's it, look, it is a challenging organisation to work for, but like most of our staff, uh, we're deeply committed to doing the right thing by the Australian yeah. community. We know that. So we are delighted to be able to talk to you about travelling overseas. A lot of people at this time of the year are heading away. Yep. And we know that you'll be able to cut through. So the first first question, what are the rules for going overseas with your age pension if you're travelling over the next few weeks? Well, of course, the first thing I have to say is nothing simple in this space. The rules for travelling outside Australia vary according to the payment or concession card that you receive, okay? So firstly, for payments like New Start Allowance or Sickness Allowance, they will stop when you leave the country. Uh, they'll stop immediately unless you have approval to travel with these payments for reasons such as, for example, you may be receiving treatment overseas. You do need to talk to us before you plan any overseas travel. Well, that's great advice. Yes, it is. If you receive a disability support pension, you can only travel up to 28 days in any 12-month period or it will have an immediate effect on your payment. So 28 days in any 12-month period for disability support pensioners. Now, for age pensioners, you can generally receive your payment for the whole time you're travelling overseas. However, your payment may be reduced at certain points. So if you're an age pensioner and you're travelling overseas for a period of less than six weeks, you will continue to receive your pension uh, and it won't be affected in any shape or form. Uh Once you hit six weeks, then uh, your pension supplement will be reduced and your energy supplement will stop. What that means is basically your pension is going to be reduced by about $50 a fortnight because you will uh, lose those supplements and your pensioner concession card will be cancelled. Now, when you then return to the country, that will all be automatically reinstated. But if you stay for more than 26 weeks, then your pension will depend on how long you've been an Australian resident. And this usually applies to people who decide to move overseas. There's a set of rules called the Australian Working Life Residence Requirement, and it's been set at 35 years. So what this means is if you are an Australian resident for 35 years or more, your rate won't change. You will continue getting your pension at that full rate. However, let's say you've only lived in Australia for 25 years, then you will only receive 25 35ths of the full rate of payment. Now, the good news is you don't have to work that out yourself. We'll do it for you. This is on the Your Life Choices website. So people... uh, get what you've just explained can be complicated it's there people can read it and they can clearly come straight across to Centrelink for more information just a question on on supplements and allowances if you're a renter and you go overseas for more than six weeks is your rental allowance stopped 
Uh, yes, it is okay. also um, uh, it is also affected, uh, and that's why if you're going overseas for more than six weeks, you do need to let us know. For periods of less than six weeks, we're actually advised by the Department of Immigration when you leave and return to the country. But if you're going overseas for more than six weeks, let us know so that you can have a full understanding of the effect. Now, the other thing I was going to say is you can let us know easily through your MyGov account. Uh, if you go to Centrelink online to your, through your MyGov account, go to personal details, and then there's a button traveling outside of Australia. By giving us some details about your trip and dates, you'll see the information tailored to your situation. Just very quickly, Hank, can you explain eligibility for Medicare if you're taking a cruise? Oh, yes. Now, again, there's some rules surrounding this. Um, in terms of a, a, a cruise, if you are travelling between Australian ports, let's say you're doing a tour around Australia, yeah. then assuming the medical practitioner on the boat is registered to receive Medicare payments, uh -huh. um, then you can claim Medicare between Australian ports. Uh -huh. If you're travelling from an Australian port to a foreign port or between two foreign ports, then you won't be eligible for Medicare benefits. Uh -huh. And what you really seriously need to think about is travel insurance Always. and make sure the level of travel insurance is up to what you want. Excellent. Josh Frydenberg said we should all work longer so we can pay for all these incredible benefits that we're allowed in Australia. How long are you going to work until, do you think? Oh, look, I'll work for as long as they let me. <laughs> I fall into that category, by the way. I'm no spring chicken anymore, oh. but I'm loving my job. And uh, like many other Australians that have decided to continue working beyond pension age, I fall into that category. Yeah, well, we certainly do appreciate uh, your incredible hard work and the fact that you have such a clear understanding of what is a very complex um, minefield of regulations and uh, uh, the, the, the differences between this and that. It's just extraordinary, Hank. It's helping our members a lot yeah. because often when something's spoken, we understand it, and when we're asked to read detail, it can look overly and complex. As Hank always says... Every time we interview him, talk to them. If mm. you've got something ha different happening in the world, talk to them. Talk to Centrelink, you know, because don't let things just go on, correct? Absolutely. Hank, just before we go, um, we're coming up to Christmas, New Year's, of course. Uh, what are Centrelink times? What should people do as far as contacting you and also, of course, reporting any changes that they may be encountering? Sure. Look, uh Basically, we have special arrangements for payments and services over Christmas and New Year. Our service centres and most of our Centrelink, Medicare and child support lines will be closed from Wednesday the 25th through to Friday the 27th. And we close again on Wednesday the 1st of January, which is New Year's Day. Now, as a result, there, be, there may be some changes to individual reporting and payment dates. To find out the new reporting dates, best thing to do is go to humanservices.gov.au slash holidays um, because if you need to report income or uh, job searches, uh, 
then you may need to do this early to avoid a delay in your payments. And you can check those reporting dates. Can I just say most age pensioners don't fall into that category and uh, they won't need to report. However, some pensioners, especially if your payment lands on a national public holiday, will receive a payment a day or two earlier. Now, it's important to understand this is your normal payment paid earlier. It's not an additional payment. So your next payment will be back into the normal fortnightly cycle. So you need to budget for a slightly longer period between those dates. Hank Jorgen, thank you so much indeed. Be well and let us speak again soon. Thank you. My pleasure. I'd like to talk to you about your life choices, Pension Checker. Now, Pension Checker is an easy-to-use financial tool that allows you to calculate exactly how much you should be receiving in fortnightly pensions and supplements. And it's very well priced at just $29.95 per year. To learn more, go to pensionchecker.com.au and make today the day you take control of your income with your life choices, Pension Checker. Welcome back to Mind Your Own Retirement. Myself, John Deeks, and Kay Fulick, the publisher of Your Life Choices, and very proud to have on the line a very busy woman, Professor Meredith Makem, who's the Chief Medical Advisor to the Australian Digital Health Agency. She's the Chief Medical Advisor. She's also a practicing GP and doing so many other things as well. Uh, Professor Makem, a very big welcome to you, and thank you for giving up your time. Oh, look, it's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me onto the show today. Tell me what it is you do. Well, what do I do? Well, look, I think the simplest thing to say is that I support the organisation called the Australian Digital Health Agency, who is uh, the system operator of the My Health Records system uh, and other national digital infrastructure that supports the way all of our practices and hospitals and pharmacies and pathologists and radiologists, all the healthcare providers out there, connect up their digital systems and information can flow around those systems. So our, we call that our national digital infrastructure. And and look, it's, um, it's a really important thing for people to understand that the, the system operations of the My Health Record system is one of the key things that we do here at the Australian Digital Health Agency. And that means that everyone in Australia who would like to have one has access to something called a My Health Record, which is a secure online summary of your health information that you can have if, if you'd like one. Professor Makem, can we just wind back? Because it was officially introduced to consumers to sign on or sign off. Um, when, when was that starting point? Yes. Yes, that was back in in July of of twenty twelve. Wow, long time ago. So it began its it began its journey a long time ago as, as something called the personally controlled electronic health record, um, and it operated for well, it's been operating continuously since that point in time. But about three years ago, roughly, after a review of the system, which recommended some sort of consumer interface improvements and other changes, it also had a name change to the My Health Record system. And there was an opt-in or opt-out about a year ago? Exactly. So 
So what happened was, um, as well as the, the review that Parliament undertook of the My Health Record system, in, including that change of name, also recommended that we make it easier for people to have one of these things because that will give us all the benefits of a system like this. And so rather than it being a system that you need to log in through, um, through MyGov and create an account yourself, an account was created for all Australians who wish to have one over the last 12 months. Actually, we did that account creation in February of this year after a, a lengthy opt-out period where there was a lot of communication with the whole community and healthcare providers as well, of course. So that started last year in July. We started what was called the opt-out period. And then this year, in February of this year, we created My Health Records for everyone essentially who didn't opt out of the system, who, who remained in the system. And that was over 90% of Australians at the time. So we now have 22.6 million Australians who have a My Health Record. And over half of those have got very rich, and it's a growing number, clinical content in them that's building up. And what that means for people is that you can have access to your own personal health information should you wish to see it. And all the people who are trying to look after you have real-time access to the same accurate health information about you that they need to look after you safely. Professor Makem, uh, we have a lot of our um, seniors who, who love listening to the Mind Your Own Retirement podcast and they love travelling. Um, if they were uh, to be unwell far away from Australia, would they be able to access that or would the medicos in that country be able to access that information? Look, an Australian citizen who's travelling around Australia, all of the healthcare providers who are securely connected to the system and providing you with care will be able to look at your My Health record and see really important information about your medicines, allergies, diagnoses, if you've been admitted to a hospital, the discharge summaries, uh, pathology reports, etc., etc. your immunisations, all of that stuff is on there. The scripts you get from the pharmacy will wow. flow up and be on there. You'll, of course, have it yourself in your mo on your mobile phone, if that's where you'd like to, to access it from. Um, if you travel overseas, you can still access your My Health record and show a healthcare provider overseas. But of course, we don't have um, connections with overseas healthcare providers. So you're in control. You're in control of your own record when you're overseas. I guess another question that arises is privacy. Who owns all this data? I mean, I own it as an individual, but. Can I feel safe about the management of my data? Yeah, look, that's a very common question and very important for people to understand. So the, the information in the My Health record is very heavily guarded by cybersecurity and privacy protections, which are in legislation in Australia. They're in an act of parliament that controls everything about the My Health record system. And it's very, very strict in terms of who is actually both physically, you know, technically able to access it and, and who's legally allowed, allowed to access it as well. And essentially that information which you control and which, by the way, if there's information in there you don't want in there, you can even remove yourself if you so choose, that information can only be accessed by healthcare providers who are directly providing care to you, but they also need to have security provisions set up in their systems to be able to see the My Health record. Uh, so there's a lot of protections around that. Now, in addition to that, we have a range of privacy controls in the My Health Record system, which are also specified in the in the law. And they're things like you can put a pin over your record. And so unless you share that pin with someone, a record access control, it's called, 
nobody will be able to view the information in your My Health Record without that. Uh, unless in the case of an emergency in a life-threatening situation, a doctor is say an emergency department or a nurse or someone looking after you can use the great glass function and be able to see into it and that, that could save your life in an emergency. The real benefits for retirees clearly are um, not carrying around long lists of medicines and, and so on and having people absolutely able to get accurate records should something untoward happen. Yeah, look, it's a very common experience with my GP hat on, I can tell you. I, a lot of people that we see in our practices that uh, are patients of, from other regions that are travelling around, having access to the the real list, you know, people's list of medicines and the doses they're on, it's stuff that's easily forgotten. If you forget to bring your scripts with you or you, you've run out of medicines and you don't have a piece of paper with them all written on it, and even those go out of date quickly, I can look at the My Health Record and immediately see a shared health summary from your regular GP that, that GPs can put up there that have all that information in it. And I can also see all the medicines that get dispensed by your local pharmacist. So we've been working really hard over the last year to 18 months really to get all of the the whole health sector connected up to this thing securely so that that information can flow in. So clearly the take-up has been um, really pleasing and what we will do is we will put a link to detail about the My Health Record on the Your Life Choices website so people who are listening to the podcast and members can see a good overview of what you've just described to us. Hey, hey Professor Makem, mm. can I just ask a question? Good. I think yes. it's a fantastic idea, but I don't well, know if I'm in or out. <laughs> well, if you haven't opted out of the system, then a record is sitting there ready and waiting for you. So, if you didn't actively opt out during the opt-out period, which finished in February of 2019, okay. then uh, the Australian Digital Health Agency created you know, basically a shell record for you. Now, that thing starts filling up with, with valuable clinical information when you go and visit healthcare providers or go to a hospital that's connected to the system, which, by the way, is almost every public hospital in the country now, sure. and, and 90% of pharmacies and 90% of general practices. So when you actually visit a a connected provider, then information will start flowing in there for you. And, and of course, you, you don't have to go look at it. It's just there as a, a safety backup for you. If, you know, you, you're in an emergency or something, someone in a hospital will be able I to see that. I have nothing to hide, or madam. Can, <laughs> or you can look at it and, of course, be very actively involved in what's in there and what, what uh, other things you want to talk to your GP and other healthcare providers about within it. And if you, were, if you actively opted out, can you change your mind? Absolutely, absolutely. So a lot of a lot of people may have been unsure during that opt-out period and thought, I'm not sure about this thing, I'll see how it goes, and they opted out. At any moment, if you think, actually, that sounds really handy and it's you know, it's going to help me a lot, you can go on through the MyGov website and open up a My Health Record at any time. And, and conversely, if you change your mind and think, I don't want one of these things, you can cancel your My Health Record at any time and all of the information in it will be deleted. Now, the risk there, of course, is that we can't put it back together for you. So if that's what happens, you, you unfortunately lose the My Health Record component like that. But you can open up a record at any time again and, and that information will start flowing back in. All that information or the contact information will be on the uh, Your Life Choices website, guaranteed. And uh, we do thank you for giving up your time because I know how busy, incredibly busy you must be. 
That's my pleasure. I hope it's been useful for people. It Thank certainly you. has. We've been speaking to uh, Professor Meredith Makem, the Chief Medical Advisor for Australian Digital Health Agency, and so much more. And uh, we do appreciate her time here on Mind Your Own Retirement. Mind your own retirement. Me, John Deeks and Kay Fallick, the publisher of Your Life Choices. Where's the dodgiest place you've been to, Kay, you reckon? Uh, Iran. Iran. Uh, Afghanistan. Wow. Afghanistan. Were you fighting? Personally, no. Um, but I was travelling through two countries that were going through sort of revolutions and... It was very uncomfortable. Did, did you, I was going to say, look, yeah. Leon Delabosco, who's um, one of your team members, who does so many wonderful things and talks about travel constantly, is is with us. Hello, Leon. G'day, John. How are you? Where's the dodgiest place you've been? Frankston. <laughs> <laughs> he wins. He wins. You're a funny no, but man. I was always He's a funny guy. He's a funny guy. But seriously, though, um, tell us, uh, are Australians going to more risky des- destinations? They are, John. Um, A a new uh, study released by DFAT, the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade, Mm. in conjunction with the Insurance Council of Australia, has uh, released some research that says that nine out of ten Australian travellers are attracted to risky destinations. Wow. And more than half of them have their top three wish list destinations are in risky destinations. What's wow. risky? There are four levels that um, Smart Traveller or DFAT declares, uh, gives as travel advice when you're travelling to a country. Level one is normal, exercise normal safety precautions, so go about your business. Mm. Level two is exercise a high degree of caution, which you'd probably do in Frankston. Uh, it, it's just stay alert, don't sort of flash cash around and, yeah. and bring out your you know fancy camera all the time. Level three is reconsider your need to travel, which would be places like um, Hong Kong, I suppose, right now would be would a, a reconsider your need. Who would have thought it would be Hong Kong? I mean, that's yeah. just yeah. So It's unfortunate because it's such a such a, oh, an amazing place, destination. Yeah. I mean, sure. uh, we've done a lot of work with Hong Kong uh, tourism and, mm. wow, every time I work on their projects, it just makes my mouth water. Literally, the food there looks phenomenal. Yeah. But... Moving on, um, level four is do not travel, which is wow. just just Syria. don't go there. Right Syria, now. yeah, we've got Syria, Yemen, Iraq. Um, mm. th- there are a few, a lot of Africa, unfortunately, mm. a lot of the African war countries. Zones, are, um, war zones, yeah. Terrorism. Yeah. 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 Just, or, uh, you know, say if there's a, a plague running through that country, that sure. right. do not travel. And, there. of course, uh, Kay, I just got my passport renewed for um, until I'm 112 or something and uh, it Three uh, years. it came <laughs> ouch boy this is getting a tough ouch. crowd so what I'd exercise a higher degree of caution <laughs> yeah go to case for Christmas uh, but uh, it did come with that uh, wonderful sheet or a little contact thing as far as content defect because things do change constantly i.e Hong Kong exactly and then smart traveler is a great resource for travellers. The, the advice is changing sometimes daily depending on the destination. Um, you, you know, like there are sort of popular destinations who you wouldn't think you'd have to exercise a high degree of caution. And these are places everyone wants to go to like France and Belgium and, you know, you've got um, Peru. People want to go to Peru and Nepal, uh, Mexico. All of those places are, are sort of teetering on the brink at the moment of um, high degree and maybe reconsider. Um, Leon, so the good thing is if you sign up 
they will give you alerts. Yes. Oh, is that right? So yeah. you don't have to go looking. Ah. They email you and let you know when the status changes. Yeah, that's part it's of the massive. more recent revamp, I think. They've, they've revamped the yeah. site entirely and, and um, yeah. yeah, it's it's a great little feature. So before you contemplate travelling, and are Australians more inclined to want to travel to, in inverted commas, risky destinations than others or more adventurous? They are. Um, I think too because probably gauging Australians versus a lot of other – you hear other countries talk about Australia, how do you live there, those spiders, those snakes, all mm. the dangerous animals. We're probably a bit more accustomed to a bit of danger or, or a bit of a – taking a bit of a risk. Um, so it's probably not surprising that we're attracted to risky destinations. We're a gutsy bunch. We're a gutsy bunch. Um, you know, 32%, so a third of Australian travellers who – who are going to what would be considered a risky destination would still go there even if that risk level was put up by mm. DFAT. So not um, not, af- not afraid to take a risk. Probably the, the thing that they do, which is not so... Uh, Smart. It's, it's not brave. It's Yeah, it's probably where the definition fool of brave hardy. crosses over to <laughs> stupid or fool, foolhardy is not taking out travel insurance when yeah. they do go just in case the worst does happen. Does your insurance company go, so where are you off to? And you go, I'm off to X, Y, Z. And they go, oh, well, we're not insuring you for that. There are insurance companies who will, or that will, they, they won't cover you if you go into a level four country. Mm. Just no, we will not cover you. You've been told not to travel there. We're not going to, you know, cover you. Some will even uh, limit coverage on level three countries. Um, I was asked to go to a country to do a, seriously an MC gig. And they said, of course, you'll be taking out... Uh, uh, kidnap insurance. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, and thanks very much, but no, I don't want to do the gig. I, I will if you raise my, my fee. <laughs> no, I said, no, I don't think I need to do the that. The other point is that people seem to think the Australian government is there at their service to mm. dig them out of jail if they drink too much or, yeah. you know, it's. I think it, there's an awareness, Leon, that the Australian government in times of great... Um, Danger will clearly step up, but they're not there to babysit you. No, no, it's a high, quite a high number too. It's like it's like one in four. So, yeah. the, the, so the, the government will just bail you out if you if you're an idiot overseas. Yeah. Or, the the advice is then for to go to uh, go to smarttraveller.gov.au. Right. Check out the destination before you go. Research, research, research. Um, there are insurance? some. Yeah, get definitely get insurance. Mm. I mean. You should get insurance no matter where you go. It, it's really not that expensive and it's just nice to know that you're covered if your bag doesn't come off the plane or, or, or something like that. Um, there are some basic tips regardless of where you're going. I mean, I probably wouldn't recommend going to a do-not-travel country. There are some reconsider your need-to-travel countries that may still be appealing, but again, you know, I think and things high change, degrees high too. enough for me. And, and things do change. So as Kay said, also you can sign up and get a, an alert. Yep. You get the alerts um, and just uh, along with the alerts, the advice that's given for the country that you're going to say, make sure you've got the vaccinations for, you know, certain countries you're going to be there. There might be protests going on. So just sort of steer clear of certain areas. Um, You might be able to go to a country, but steer clear of a couple of cities within that country. Um, The advice is quite uh, detailed. It's it's quite specific, but it's also to be taken generally that they can't guarantee your safety in any any destination. I mean, and Leon, it could be the region or the area within the country 
as opposed to the country. So I'm thinking, you know, Paris has certainly had its yellow vests and, and terrorism issues, but that doesn't mean France. So mm. it's it's a case of looking for the detail on the website and getting a finer understanding. That's right. And, I mean, that could be the case with places like Venezuela as well or yeah. Brazil or Mexico, you know. Um, some, border, some borders are more uh, sort of... Fragile. <laughs> Fragile, exactly, or volatile than, than yeah. sort of major city centres. Yeah. And before we go, um, do you have anything you'd like to say to uh, Councillor Sandra Mayer, the, um, the Mayor of Frankston? <laughs> great job, Sandra. You've got your work cut out for you. Thank you very much. No, look, honestly, Frankston's a great place. Oh, here we go. It is. Yeah. I grew up there, so, I mean, you know. Oh, oh yeah. well, oh, there you go. Look at the product. Sandra, we love you and we love uh, Frankston. Thank you very much indeed. <laughs> You are a very naughty boy. Uh, and thank you very much indeed to Leon Delabosca, our travel dude, and uh, so much more here at Your Life Choices. Travel well, my friend. Where's the next place you're going to? Uh, I'm going to... And don't you dare say Frankston. <laughs> I'm going past Frankston, down to Summers. Oh, very nice indeed. Mm. Mornington Peninsula, beautiful spot. Get down there. We'll say hello to Sandra on the way, please. Thank and you. I will. And take us some flowers. <laughs> We've got a nugget, don't we? We have. Do you want to know my nugget today? I would love to know. So there was a gentleman who was born in 1852 and he invented cornflakes in 1878. Mr Kellogg. Mr John Harvey Kellogg. Mm. And you may wish to know why he invented cornflakes. Um, Please Because his, he had a whole bunch of corn and he think, I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> What can I do with this? Can I value add? No, he was uncomfortable about sex. He thought it was detrimental. He abstained. Oh. He did not consummate his marriage. He and his wife kept separate bedrooms and they adopted all their children. So what is the point of cornflakes? Was he bored? No. The only bit he of crunchy he had? He thought the only thing worse than sex with your wife was masturbation. So he felt a plain corn food in the morning, an anti-masturbatory meal, would help people get over the urge. Jeez, Leon. Um, <laughs> i tell you what, mate. Uh, your segment has got nothing on this. Mind blown. Absolutely. Do you, do you like that? That's a nugget. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to digest the, the cornflakes. Well, let's go out and get a packet. Okay. So see what happens. All right, everybody. Well, look, she can say all this because she's the boss. Kay Fallick, the publisher of Your Life Choice. Go to our website and find out more. And don't forget our new cooking tips for things to do with Kellogg's cornflakes. And we'll be back with your next episode of Mind Your Own Retirement, we hope, very soon. Honey Hello, joys. Hello, Frankston. <laughs> we love you, Frankston.